back again to Getting to the Top, a podcast where we explore the details of transformational leadership and how diversity supports the transformation of the world, whether it be getting to the top of your industry, getting to the top of your company, or just getting to the top of what we are capable of as a world. So with me today, I'm really excited to be talking to Trisha Conyers. And uh, Trisha Conyers is one of the few people that I'm interviewing so far that I actually don't personally know. But in our few moments getting to know each other, I've been really excited about having this conversation. She's had over 25 years experience in change as a change advocate and as a change leader, and in doing, um, leading to breakthrough change in day-to-day -day performance and shifts in behaviors and beliefs. She's currently an entrepreneur and we're going to talk to her, yes, about that entrepreneurship, but even more about organizational change and how the things that we're doing and leadership and diversity and transformational leadership impacted both that decision to go into entrepreneurship, but also in what she's been able to see in, uh, in the organizations that she's been a part of. She was the VP of Learning and Development for a Change Consultancy in Houston, Texas. And in this role, she was responsible for, for, for creating their bespoke change methodology and building the organizational change capability and shaping a learning culture. And we'll talk a lot about how, um, how she was able to do that and what that means. She's a certified facilitator and coach and trainer and has done really lots of exciting things. She holds a Master's of Engineering, Master of Arts and Bachelor of Arts with distinction from Cambridge University, England. And she currently lives in Trinidad and Tobago, where she is now and where we're having this conversation. Welcome, Trisha, and please, um, I know that I shared a lot about you, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Hi, Raquel, and thank you so much for having me join you today on your podcast. I've been very much enjoying listening to all the different episodes that you have. In fact, I was listening to some earlier today, and I feel very grateful to be joining you and your inspiring guest, so many inspiring guests that you've already hosted and who I know you will continue to host on this podcast. So thank you very much for having me. In terms of introducing myself, I mean, I think you've said pretty much all. I'm not sure what what much more I can add to that. You know, I think if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you see a host of sort of different, um, different names that are out there, you know, so be that, like you said, facilitator, change agent, um, learning designer, trainer, all those have been sort of titles and things that I have done in my past. I mean, I add obviously wife and mother to that. I have one 14 year old son, um, I add podcaster to that. I have my new project is a new podcast that I've just launched with a colleague of mine. And certainly I add amateur photographer to that. It's a passion that I have as well. And I always say one of my, my greatest accomplishments is sort of the $18 that I've made selling photographs <laughs> to people. So that's always been a very inspiring for me. So yeah, my, my current role is like you said, as an entrepreneur leading a company called Island Inspirations. And this is very much a transitionary period for me. I've gone into this space now after being, like you said, with a, bespoke, with a, with a small consulting company out of Houston for just about 20 years, just shy of 20 years. And in my 20 years with that organization, I had many different roles. I started on the ground as a change practitioner working with organizations here in Trinidad to implement change and to boost the performance of their teams. And 
in that role, I learned a lot about facilitation, about leading others, about what leadership looks like and how do you lead change, right? And that role, I did that for a number of years and then things were happening in the company and changing. And I transitioned into another role, which was coaching others. We were bringing on a number of new joiners to the company who didn't have consulting experience. And we wanted to sort of train and grow our own consultants internally. And so I created a program that was part of growing, growing consultants and became part of coaching those consultants. And then the business went through a major transition and we closed our business, our local office here in Trinidad. But I remained on in the business and worked remotely since 2010. I've been working remotely um, for this organization. And my role at that point started changed into an internal role in the business. So more around um, maintaining a lot of our collateral. It started off with maintaining uh, collateral and it grew in over the, over the last 10 years to become the VP of learning and development. So that's where I, where I kind of the arc of my career to date. And like I said, at this moment in time, I'm in a transition having just left that organization earlier this year and kind of doing a bit of my own things and kind of taking these skills that I have to a new, a new host of clients. Yes, well, excellent. I did want to touch on uh, as a part of, of what you've done, it's a lot of learning through play, so learning through Lego and other things. And I wanna talk about that, but I, I also want to, to um, focus our discussion today. So we're gonna talk about the learning through play because I find that so interesting and such an innovation. But I also want to sort of um, prepare everybody because I, I wanted to talk to Tricia primarily because of what she's seen about leadership and, and because we, we wanna talk about leadership and diversity and how that supports the best results and, and what we are seeing in terms of the changes that we need to see happen. Um, I think we have some, some uh, not necessarily polar opposites, but we have some, uh, some distance in terms of, of how we see leadership, which I find really exciting. I agree with her in some, in some ways and disagree with her in some other ways because I feel like there's some certain aspects of, of leadership that absolutely need to be um, 360, but also my passion for making sure that we have diversity in the traditional leadership roles. But first I wanna hear about the learning from play and then we'll get into to the discussion that <laughs> where, we, where we don't necessarily agree. I, I, so I appreciate you asking me about learning through play. Learning, learning for me has been, I think very much a passion of mine. And I think as my career, you know, took on its its own arc. The, the places where I found the passion were in learning. You know, like when you step back and you think about all there is to know in this world and how much you know. I mean, it's it's a pin drop in an ocean, right? And I think I've always been driven by that desire to learn. You know, I think maybe in my heart I have a, a career left ahead of me in academia somewhere or something. You know, I keep telling my husband maybe maybe I will go back. You know, to university once again, but. So my career has, has been moments of transition in my career have been very much linked to learning as well and kind of taking on something, something different and, and stepping into a different place. But learning has been very much at the heart of that. So coaching had a learning aspect to it. You know, even when developing a methodology had a learning aspect, a, a real learning sort of training, teaching aspect, helping others succeed and learn something in there as well. So that's always been at the heart of it. 
in the in the more recent times, I actually became certified as a facilitator. I think facilitation was a part of my work as I worked as a change practitioner, but it wasn't a, a very formal part of my work. And I more formally became trained as a, not trained, but certified as a facilitator in the last two years. And that through a number of different methodologies, um, Lego series play being one of them, which is what you're you're referring to. But there are the, there are some other ones as well. I give you that context because the the play aspect we struggle sometimes at work to embrace play in our work, and play is a way of of exploring complex or difficult concepts without making it personal and by taking it sort of just outside of the work environment. So it creates a very interesting and safe place to explore things that otherwise could be difficult conversations. And so play has become a part of the facilitation, different facilitation techniques that we use, that I use to help clients sort of explore new ways of working and ex have teams explore what else is possible right? Play deconstructs things. It allows us to take on new roles, to try things in a different way, to stretch ourselves and reach for a target or a result or kind of go after something. Just putting something in the construct of play often creates a different level of energy that we kind of give to something, you know, that we, that we otherwise wouldn't bring into a daily meeting or things like that. So play can be a really interesting way of helping people just step outside of what is the norm and see reframe and see what is in front of them very differently. I love that as a concept. And, you know, um, when you mentioned, you know, about learning and it being a pin drop in an ocean, that really resonated with me because there are times when I sort of sit back and think about all of the things that I want to learn and all of the things that I want to know, and that I would probably never have the time to learn everything I want to learn, you know, in the I time know. I have, and it, it makes me really sad, but it also motivates me to try and learn as much as possible and as many new things as possible. So it's going to be a, a sort of awkward segue into, you mentioned your <laughs> podcast, I want to make sure you mention it again, so that people can can uh, look out for it and, and listen to it, mention it again. So the podcast is called Every Little Model, and it actually, it, it, it fits really nicely in my world as a change practitioner. When we work, when I work as a change practitioner, a lot of working in change is helping people to reframe what they believe is possible, right? So helping them to see that there is a different way and believe and find a belief in the way that they, they could make change. And a lot of how we, how I, and how we as an organization helped people to achieve that was we used models because models are a really great way of reframing a current situation, also giving you an option for a new intervention. So if you look through, if you look at the world through this model, a lens, like model is like a lens. If you look through this lens, it gives you a slightly different view of the world and it gives you a new option for what you could try that Otherwise, what happens is we fall back on what we've already done all the time, what we what we know has worked in the past. You know, maybe it's something maybe if we're lucky, something that we read or we're creative and courageous enough to try something new like that. But we don't often kind of we rely on in the day to day runnings of the things that got us to where we are today. So right. models are a really great way of sort of just putting something else out there. So models, are something that I used a lot as a change practitioner and the, the podcast comes from the passion and the connection with so many models that are 
really powerful to help people understand the, the organizational world in which we live and how you can thrive in that organizational world. So thanks for asking. It's called Every Little Model and you can definitely find it on any podcast, any podcast platform that you listen to. Fabulous. Fabulous. All right. So now let's talk about leadership, which is, you know, the crux <laughs> of the discussion that we're going to have. And um, so I'm going to I'm going to let you sort of set the stage for your perspective on leadership. And then and then we're going to talk through um, where our our impressions converge and where they diverge. Nice. So as we were chatting and sort of pre-show stuff, I was sharing with you, I have a perspective on leadership, but I do believe that there are, there are so many leaders that we see who lead from the front, who lead with a really strong point of view and lead from the front. There are people in organizations that have, you know, the titles of leadership. You know, we carry VP of this, CEO, CEO, all of these titles that give us a positional authority and a leadership. I guess for me, having worked very much in the world of change and as a change practitioner for so many years, I've seen many different forms of leadership in my, in my experiences with different organizations. And while there's leadership that's leading from the front with that strong point of view, I think there's also leaders who, there are also others who lead through culture and they, they lead by helping to shape and formulate culture without a very formal title, but they are very strong influencers in organizations. And, you know, they lead, they, they're, they're, they are seen and perceived as leaders. And then there are others who sort of lead alongside with others, with, with others as well. So they are um, almost in a kind of way, uh, a partner in leadership, but they, again, they don't form this very formal title uh, they don't have a very formal title of leadership. So I see these different positions of, of leadership. So you can lead through, lead through culture, lead, through, lead alongside others, as well as have this positional authority. But it isn't just for me having that title all the time. The title is a position, but I think leadership is so much more. Leadership is about unleashing and unlocking what is in others and that doesn't always come from the person who's the title. So many people can tell you about experiences that they've had where they've had leaders in that organization, but they haven't been great leaders and they've left for that reason because they haven't been leaders who were leaders that, you know, encouraged or, you know, helped others to thrive, helped others to grow. And I think that's a very big part and characteristic of maybe great leadership. Absolutely. Tell me more about your tell me more about your thoughts because I think you have some different, no, I, different I, opinions. I agree on that. And I think that we have leadership in various forms, in various places on the continuum within an organization. I think where my impressions of leadership diverge is that and I want to talk to you more about, you know, how you how you harness that leadership power from wherever you are within the organization and use that to exact your influence on sort of the culture or the, the, the dynamics or or how that organization moves forward. But I do feel where, where we converge is that where we diverge, sorry, is that I feel like too often women in the organization are leading from behind and that it, or, or, or people diverse people within organizations are not out front and are allowed to lead from somewhere else. And I absolutely feel like that's great, but we also need to see the representation of that leadership. And it can't just be, well, it's fine. You're leading from the, you're leading from the back because I feel like 
the the what leadership looks like physically looks like like who is leading the organization and who is sort of filling the filling out the rest of the roster in the organization that it matters who's out front and who's um filling out who's doing the work and far often especially for women we are the ones doing the work but not necessarily getting the credit on the front lines and so I absolutely completely buy into lead from wherever you are. However, you have to aspire to that frontline leadership level if you are a woman, because we don't have critical mass in that position yet. I don't think we disagree at all. I mean, a lot of what you said totally resonates with me. And what it makes me think about and reflect on is I think as a woman, you know, we, and in my history, you know, I think growing up in a career, not only did I enter a career, and maybe I'll just backtrack just slightly, but even before I went to university for a couple of years, I went to an all boys school to study math. I was one of four women, um, four girls in the school of 1100 boys, right? From there, I went into an engineering degree at a university, which was also male dominated. From there, I went into a career in consulting, which has a very traditional male, male strength in it, right? So I think, you know, it, I've seen that all along the way as well. In a role as working as a change practitioner, I've had the opportunity, obviously, to see many different organizations. And like you said, the majority of them are predominantly men who sit on the leadership team. And I think there's a perspective of leadership that to be a leader, you have to have that, you know, that dom that strong presence, that, you know, overt confidence, that ability to, you know, stand in front of the room and, you know, speak to hundreds of people and, and things like that. And I guess there's, there's this sort of perspective and maybe these biases of what really leadership, what really, really leadership looks like. And I think, you know, women have a strength that is um, an inherent strength that is a bit more of a quiet confidence. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily the same as how it shows up in men, right? It's, they have, it's not as loud in a way. I've struggled to find the right words. We to measure say it. leadership by a male, right? Using a male yardstick and by a male example, exactly. exactly. So we measure leadership exactly as you said by those that male examples when the inherent strength in in women is that sort of quiet confidence, that ability to really emphasize, empathize, to see things from other people's perspectives, to bring a different perspective to the table to sort of shift, you know, shift the, the conversation with their, with their diverse opinions and experiences as a woman, as a woman doesn't often get seen as, as valuable as some of the louder voices in the room and the other perspectives that are there that I think, as you're saying, we kind of measure leadership by those male, um, those male characteristics per se. And we have to honor, I think, and see the strength in what the diversity of having women around the table and joining that leadership, those leaderships rank, that leadership rank, like you say, and see the value in what that brings, right? And it doesn't have to be the way we understand it from the past, right? It doesn't have to be those things, that it can be something different. Leadership doesn't have to look like that. It can look different, I think is the point. Um, it can look like what we create it to be, right? You know, the different characteristics that we bring to the table. 
So tell me a little bit. Okay, so I'm 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 relieved <laughs> that, <laughs> that we found common ground. But tell me a little bit about that that sort of um, that sort of soft power, that sort of leadership from within the organization to you know how that has a, a transformational impact and could potentially. Uh, get someone to the front lines to be seen. Tell me about the different kinds of leadership from outside of the front lines that you've seen and how that could potentially translate into moving through the organization. Well, I think if I understand your, your question correctly, it's kind of, you know, what have I seen that has been different forms of leadership? Is that what you're... Yes. So, from I, mean, I definitely... I definitely have experienced, you know, like I said, sort of that that leading through culture. You know, I I've seen that a lot, and and especially as a change practitioner, a lot of what we're trying to do is help shift an organization from where they currently are in this sort of position of drift. You know, sort of just going along in terms of making a change in a new direction to achieve a new level of performance. Yeah, and much of what holds people back in the organization back is can we do we believe that that new level of performance is even possible mm -hmm. and a big part of change is not new processes or new meetings or new you know many different touch points that you that you work on to help start to change things but the biggest part of change comes from when people believe that it's different and the experience that they have changed the changes the underlying belief that they hold about what is possible and that doesn't come from the person at the front just saying that's the mountain we're going to climb, right? It doesn't come from just, yeah, we might all buy into it could be a really great place to go. And we're quite unhappy with where we are now. But just because we all say we're going to go there doesn't actually make it happen. And we have experiences and we have, um, you know, past experiences and beliefs and, and that have shaped what we believe to be possible in this business. And so... A big part of change comes from creating new experiences for people to start to, in essence, challenge and chip away at those own beliefs that they have that might be limiting beliefs and help them reframe those as more liberating assumptions and liberating beliefs that they can move forward with that. And that comes from that comes from the sort of almost the network of people that are working together. It doesn't come from the leader who has sort of launched this change effort. It comes from being on the ground and us sort of being together and trying something new and figuring things out and motivating each other to work through the failures. So many of your podcasts have talked about the, the, the failures and how, how we see and view failures, right? And how do we create an experience where we learn and we explore from that and we leverage those moments as platforms to go somewhere different? And that's what I, that's what I mean when I say sort of lead through culture. It's that experience that we're having together that is essentially encouraging us to keep trying and to keep going. And I've seen people step into a role as a team and, you know, as a, a cross-functional team, step into a role and be inspiring to others and encourage the team to keep going and show real qualities of leadership that were beyond what you know, the leader said, you know, this is the, these are the results that we're going after. This is the change program that we're, we're trying to achieve and all that kind of, you know, that kind of context, but seeing them kind of in the heart of when things were rough, because change isn't a smooth line straight up to the top. It's, it has really, you know, low valleys in it and it moments of giving up. 
yeah, real moments of giving up. And those are the moments of kind of people pulling together. And I've seen that leading alongside and that leading along culture be so important to achieving change just in the way people have pulled together and worked through so much that has happened. And that's why I guess for me, I see, I don't disagree that we need more women, certainly at leading in the front, but recognizing that leadership isn't just only leading from the front all the time, that there are so many other ways to lead, to influence, to inspire, to motivate, to you know, bring the best out of others. So this isn't her message, but this is my message. My message is lead from wherever you are. You but are. <laughs> take that on a journey to the top. That's, that's my message. But yeah. what I'd love to hear from you, Trisha, especially since you've been, you know, privy to all of these, these, these change journeys, what is, what is one that you can share, one of the most exciting sort of change journeys that you've seen that you can share with us? As in a, a, a change story, I mean, yeah. actually, I go back to probably the first program that I ever worked on. You know, it was I joined, you know, company. It was almost a bit of it was some actually it was some volunteer work that we were doing for another client, and they were like, "Hey, can you help? Can you do this on the side for me and help me with this small credit union that they sat on the board for?" And they were really struggling um, to sort of match performance with others in the industry and I was on that program on my own like I said it was a pro bono piece of work so I was put on that I just joined this company and they were like well let's give this to Trisha to do and the story is that not only in the couple of months that we worked together did they completely shift their performance I guess the things that stand out for me is not only did they shift the performance the numbers is one thing right we went through the whole process of doing all the things that you would do to boost the numbers, which we were able to do. But it was the stories that the team would tell in terms of how they solved the problems, how they, how they went off to making things happen. And one of the things for me, and you, you will appreciate this story because one of the, the key counterparts that I worked with in the business, a woman, um, I won't call her name because I don't know where she is today, but um, a woman and she she was very almost sort of you know she was very quietly sort of in her role for many years in that organization and through working with her in this program she started to be recognized as somebody who would who could be the leader of this organization going forward and at first she didn't want to be and you know we worked together and in coaching her and helping her see how she could become that she did go on to take on that role and step into that space and the organization as well went on to deliver great numbers year on year even long after we had we had left but those are the the moments that i always think about in my in my time as a change practitioner that really stand out. It isn't the ones that have like the best numbers, but it's the ones where people look back at it and they think that that changed my life. You know, there was something about that that changed so much for me. It changed my career. It changed what I believe I was personally capable of doing. And it set me on a different path, you know, and that's, I look back on that from 20 odd years ago now and, and still think about that as one of the best experiences that I've had maybe selfishly as I've had because it was you know in watching it happen but yeah so you were on the sidelines of change and the change changed you yeah of course <laughs> what was the prevailing sort of belief that they had that that they were able to challenge to sort of step into this new realization of what they were capable of yeah well I mean 
And it's a great thing. I mean, part of the way that I've worked has changed. It's about getting people to sort of articulate what is that belief. And the belief was very much about the performance where we're at today is that we're not capable of doing anymore. Like we have a business that's this size with this many people. This is about all that we can actually achieve in terms of um, how we make money in terms of the number of loans that we sell. You know, we can't we can't do more than that. And they completely shattered that by thinking about, well, if we could, how would we? And what are the things wow, we would do? I and therefore, so simple, but so, so it's really how might we? beautiful. If we if we could, then how would we? Oh, I right. Yeah. If it's all possible, how would we do it? And they they themselves came up with all of these different, it was nothing that I came up with. It's all about what they came up with. And they came up with, well, why wouldn't we do this? And why wouldn't we do this? And they did. And they went off. And within, within three months, they had sold more than they had did, than they had done in the whole year before, right? So, I mean, they just completely shattered their own belief that they were at their maximum capacity. And I've seen that happen time and time again um, in the different, the different programs and projects and people that I've worked with. Fabulous. I love that story. So do you think that perhaps we could apply that to, to women pursuing leadership? Like, okay, if you don't think that you could be a leader, then why not? And, and if you were pursuing leadership, then how would you go about it without necessarily deciding, well, listen, this is something that I want to do, or this is, why wouldn't I try these things as an example? Um, to, 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 you know, because we see so many people who are frustrated with how things are going, but haven't necessarily taken on, this is my responsibility in being a part of this change. You know, this I, is, I, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 totally, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. I mean, it's funny. I, you know, I say this as a motto to my son every day. You know, I'm like, if well, if you can think it, then you can achieve it, right? You know, if you if you can if you can think about what it is, then we can figure out a way to get there. So if you could, you know, what does leadership look like for you? What how would you go about doing it, right? And create that space and that journey for yourself, you know, be able to, I don't think every leader's journey has to be the path that you've seen before. It doesn't have to be starting from the bottom and working your way up or launching your own company or whatever that is. You can create your own path to leadership. Mine has been very different. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I was a coach at one point in time. I was a trainer at another point in time. I was a change agent at, an, at another and landed up in a role of, sitting on the leadership team with with others right to lead this lead this organization and and now on to other things but i think you you can craft your own journey of leadership it doesn't have to be decided by someone else it doesn't have to follow a, a particular trajectory of positional moves and things like that so you know if you can if you can think it and you can achieve it right so we can we can map our own way yeah, and it doesn't have to be a straight line. Actually, it is most often not a straight line at all. <laughs> yeah, but I'd be interested to know if there was one that was a straight line. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a really, really interesting point. If if someone has had a an absolute straight line to leadership, please let us know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not seen one yet, and and that would be really interesting to say. You know. It was this role, then this role, then this role, then this role, and it went exactly as you would expect. Exactly as I planned it from day one. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Trisha, thank you so much. I definitely want to hear if there are any sort of final thoughts, any final ideas that you want to share with us. I would love to hear those um, before we close off, but you've, you've provided us with a wealth of information and I love the perspective about, you know, leading from anywhere and, and creating new possibilities by just being willing to see things differently and be willing to sort of challenge conventional wisdom um, to create more opportunities for the organization or for yourself. But please, if there are any sort of final thoughts that you'd wanna share with us. I guess the only, the only final thought I would share is I think a learning that I've had in my own, my own path. And I think there were many things that if I were to do it all over again, sure, I might change. And I think for me, actually, a part of that has been not actually always showing up as a leader with my true confidence and my true, um, or not not authenticity, but I guess with the, with the, with a true level of confidence. I mean, giving up my voice to others that were there. And I think if there is one message that I would leave leave for other women who are aspiring to leadership is that you know, humility and, and confidence don't have to work in conflict with mm -hmm. each other, that you don't have to give up your confidence to also be humble. And you don't have to give up confidence to show up with grace. And that having a voice and sharing your voice and sharing your perspective is also showing up with grace and humility, because it's adding to the shaping what we come out with. And if you give that up, then you're actually you're whole, you're whole, you're doing more of a disservice than you are to anything else. So they don't have to work in conflict with each other. And I think that if there was a message that I would give to myself as a younger person, it would be that that grace and grace and humility work in partnership with confidence, and that we can all bring that to the table as women. That we don't have to compromise it. I don't think I can add anything to that. That was absolutely beautiful. Closing for this segment, Trisha, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Please join us um, on, on getting to the top. Please subscribe if you're not already subscribed. And thank you so much for your phenomenal guidance, Trisha. I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm now a new fan. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Thank you. And thank you for having me, Raquel. It's been lovely to chat with you this afternoon. Thank you.